You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. And today we're here with Stuart Silverman, who is CEO and founder of Raiderbee. And we're going to find out a little bit more about what Raiderbee does. And I'm excited because this is really an interesting approach to collecting data around experiences. Stuart and his team are tackling some really important issues and creating some interesting technology. So I'm excited to have this conversation. Stuart, welcome to the program. Well, thanks a lot, Bruce. Really appreciate being here. Yeah. So why don't we start? I always like to have guests give a little bit of a background on professionally, kind of how do they get to what they're doing today. There's always a story there. And I'd love to hear yours and have you tell our audience um, kind of what got you to, to Raider B. Super, super. So I like to tell people I'm a third generation retailer. I've got a uh, picture here on my desk of my grandfather's two sisters, Fanny and Rose, at the family <laughs> dairy store in the Lower East Side of, of New York in like the early 1900s. Wow. So it's kind of been in it's the it, blood. It's in your blood. Yeah, exactly. It's in the blood. And I didn't realize it. So my dad was in the supermarket business, mm-hmm. right? And he was in the 50s and 60s. He was one of those guys who was taking supermarkets all out through the country. Yeah. Right? And he was he was actually ahead of warehousing and transportation. And I remember being a kid on Sunday mornings and reading, you know, he's sitting in his big chair in the living room and the sun's streaming in and he's reading his supermarket news. Yeah. The weekly papers. Is that still out there? I don't even know if that publication as as, as a digital it's as yeah. a digital yeah. publication now. And so he'd finish it, throw it on the floor, I'd pick it up and go through the supermarket news. You know, checking out what stores open, what stores close. And so it's been there for a while. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I went to architecture school. We shared something yeah, there. Yeah. I went to architecture school and learned all about design and what constitutes uh, elegant design and good design. But when I got out of school, it was not a good time to be in the building business. Yeah. And my dad said, you know, we're really at the early stages of adding computers to help us do a better job in our businesses. I know a guy. I know a guy. <laughs> I know a right? guy that knows a guy. I yeah. know a guy. <laughs> and so I started working for a guy who built the first commercially available warehouse management systems for high volume retailers. Wow. And it just went on from there. I mean, I really enjoyed it. And and turned out that the things that constitute an elegant design in architecture really constitute elegant design in systems. Yeah. It's just really a different language. Yeah. It's a different language. Exactly. So I've been doing that. And uh, for years, I've worked with uh, software companies, consulting companies, bringing new systems and opportunities to retailers, helping them do a better job, helping them be able to work at the speed of retail and, and be effective. And so the last couple of years, I've said I wanted to do stuff on my own. I, I got tired of doing the, the enterprise-wide inventory management applications and stuff like that. Yeah. So what can we do to improve service in stores, in retail stores? Yeah. Because we've all gotten into stores and gotten terrible service delivered by ineffective associates who really don't care about being there. Yeah. I mean, that's not what's important to them. And that's really hurting brick-and-mortar retail. Yeah. It's really hurting brick-and-mortar retail. I think that what the industry has come to the conclusion of, of the past 12, 18 months is in order for brick and mortar to be able to compete, they have to offer 
great customer experiences delivered by engaged retail associates. Yeah. Because if you don't have that, you're going to shop elsewhere. Yeah. You may, you may well, shop that, on the internet. You may go to yeah, exactly. a place of a better experience. But if you don't have that, you're dead. You're sunk. Yeah. And so we're thinking, well, how can we improve that customer experience? How can we get associates to be more engaged? And we did a lot of stuff. I actually did a, I did a gamification startup a couple of years ago mm-hmm. where we made an effort to gamify the work at retail stores. Okay. In the end, you really can't base a business on gamification. Mm-hmm. Gamification is like a UI. It's like a user interface. It's about yeah. how do you motivate people to do stuff they weren't going to do already. Mm-hmm. That's, so it's not something you build a business around. And I learned that the hard way. <laughs> At any rate, uh-huh. the key about gamification is that you need to set goals. Yeah. You need to measure progress against those goals. And then you need to reward, mm-hmm. right? Well, the thing that we came to the realization that we weren't able to measure was that interaction between customers and sales associates. Mm-hmm. In the store, that in-store in experience in that they the have. Yeah. We couldn't measure that. Yeah. So that set us back and we did a whole lot of thinking about ways that we could do that, looked at different kinds of tools. And, and in the end, we've, we've come up with something really actually very simple. Mm-hmm. And it's the base of what we're doing in our company, Raider Butte, today. Mm-hmm. So imagine you're in a store, you've done your shopping, you bought a pair of jeans, you come back to the register at the point of sale, and while the, the associate is ringing the, the sale up, mm-hmm. there's a screen there, a, a monitor, tablet, says, who helped you today? Well, how many times have people asked you who helped you today? And you said, oh, I don't know, it's that guy yeah. back there, you know, <laughs> the, the flat shirt. So what we're doing is, is there's a tablet, says, who helped you today, and the pictures yeah. of the people who the store the pictures oh i recognize josh he helped me yeah so i press josh's picture it comes back and say well josh says well how did i do today yeah and then we have a series of and it's a four star rating and then a series of best practice behavior buttons mm-hmm. greeted me helped me find what i really wanted uh, showed me some other stuff that that goes with this pair of pants mm-hmm. and a series of things that you know for every retailer they're going to have a different set of things that they want yeah. that they consider to be best practices, yeah. right? Yeah. And so now so it's like fifteen, twenty seconds while the while the, the shopper is waiting for the associate to ring it up, fills out a quick survey, it's done while they're there, it's part of the process, and they're gone. Yeah. And now we've got all of this data, all of this associate performance behaviors data that we've never had before. Yeah. And we can use that to coach and train associates. Mm-hmm. So we just did um, a pilot project with a, a high-end men's retailer, okay. a store and a high-end men's retailer. And it was about a month or so. And we had them, we had the, the shoppers fill out these little survey forms. Mm-hmm. And it was shocking that it really highlighted that there were two or three associates who were consistently getting bad ratings. Yeah. So here we are, we're an upscale men's apparel store and there are associates out there who are not living the brand so what and what was the the interpretation of the data and then what was the action or the the decisions that it helped support so the data came back is is we had four star ratings Mm -hmm. one through four and then a series of did they do this did they do this did they do this and then a free form text message okay and for this one guy in particular he wasn't getting high ratings. Okay, so he was getting low stars. He was getting low stars. Yeah. And he was getting comments like, this guy must be new. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and, and I guess he wasn't. 
And I don't know if he was or not. Yeah. Honestly, I don't but know. But he was acting he was like he was not. new, yeah. But when I talked to the manager, he said, you know, I had a suspicion that he wasn't living up to he yeah. wasn't living up to what he needed to do. Yeah. Here's the data. It's, oh my God, here's the data. Yeah. Yeah. So we've created this tool that allows shoppers to be able to tell us what they think about the associates who are helping them. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious in terms of, you know, as you've gone through iterations of this product, what are some of the challenges that you've kind of discovered and and had to grapple with or overcome? Because this, I mean, fundamentally, it just seems it's one of this almost like Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, right? It's like I can either can either serve someone or I can know how I served, but I can't do both. Right? Like, like asking the question can often interfere with the actual delivery of the service or, or the, the act of collecting the data can interrupt the service. So, yes. so you've chosen kind of do it post, kind of immediately post yes. sign. But tell me about some of the iterations and how you've... So it's while they're still in the store. Yeah. So what's been interesting is some of the iterations really are key about the placement of the, the placement of the tablet where we collect the data. Okay. In one iteration, we had them, we had the associates actually handing a tablet to the, the shoppers yeah. saying, okay. please fill that, please fill this out. Yeah. And what's been interesting is we haven't gotten any pushback on filling it out, but it interrupted the sales process. Yeah, exactly. It interrupted the sales process. Actually, let me let me ask on that one too, because I, I'm I'm curious. In that case, did you find that the the fact that the sales associate was kind of handing the tablet would end up skewing the data or or skewing the feedback? It's like, well, now I've got this. You know, I'm doing it in front of them, or you know, I'm, I, there's a little bit more of a relationship pressure there or a interpersonal pressure to actually give feedback. Did you find that, or what was the? Well, I don't know, but, but what we did find out, Bruce, was that the associate became a gatekeeper. The associate didn't yeah. always want to give yeah. the, the tablet <laughs> exactly. to the shop, right? <laughs> yes. So maybe I'm only going to give it to the people that I think are going to give me good that ratings. I think are, yeah. yeah, right, 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 right. So we've now moved to to just setting it up on a stand, mm-hmm. and we're going to see how those tests work out. Mm-hmm. Now, we do that. We also do that at a, um, at a place that you're very familiar with. Um, there's a dance studio that we did some work with in, uh, in Manhattan. Yeah. And they've mounted the tablet at the reception desk. Uh-huh. And as the students walk in and out of their classes, they leave, they leave comments about their experience. Yeah. And the management of this group, every Monday in their management meeting, they review the results. Wow. They review the comments and then cut and paste the comments and send them off to the people who those comments were about. Mm-hmm. So based on the, the instructor or the, the person who gave the class and stuff, yeah? Correct, correct. And what if, what do you think they've noticed or what kind of changes in either decisions or insights or approach? Like what, how has it changed what they do? They, I'll never forget sitting with the, uh, the owner when we first introduced it. Mm-hmm. And she said she was going through the, the comments mm-hmm. about an individual. And she said, oh, no, I didn't want to see this. <laughs> I, she said, I told this person that if they had one, I had one yeah. more, one more bad review yeah. about her that she was gone. Yeah. And there it was sitting in her face. Yeah. I mean, it looks hard, but on the other hand, I also see it like, oh, what a blessing, right? What a, what a great yeah. tool because now I've got, you know, real data, you know, real comments from real customers. And it's no longer me as manager trying to make this judgment yes. call. Yes. And it's more yes. of, look, I'm just looking at the data. The data is making, the data yes. is is forcing yep. the conversation, not... 
Yeah, I agree with that. I, I spoke with a, a woman who was managing one of the cosmetics desks on that first floor and in, in Macy's, mm-hmm. you know, Macy's 34th Street. Yep. They have all those. So she, she was working for one of the one of the cosmetic suppliers. She was the head of the group. Yeah. And she looked at this and said, oh, I really like this because it's data now and it's not it's not subjective. Exactly. So she said the people that I manage are going to react much more positively to a customer saying you were slacking off yeah. and me as their manager saying you were slacking off because that's more subjective. Yeah. Well, I would say it's probably, it's still subjective, but it's now the customer's subjectivity, subjectivity. not mine Correct. as a manager, Correct. which is all that really counts. counts. <laughs> right. That's what really counts. Yeah. So in terms of collecting the data, talk to me about how you came up with the rating scale, what other scales you looked at, like how, how you kind of balance the the amount of work it takes versus the kind of quality of the data i mean how have you kind of iterated on the uh the actual feedback process itself or the design we're we're still learning from that bruce to be honest we're still learning from it we're the key though is is that we're looking at at a four-star rating yeah most times you look at your ratings you got five stars right or you got the nine star thing yeah right which i hate yeah because they only look at when when you really look at that, it's they only look to see if it's top three or anything below it is yeah. a problem. Why not just? So I was speaking with a retail manager uh-huh. and who said that they would do ratings surveys within their store, and they always made sure that they had an even number of stars. Yeah, you want to get rid of the middle. Yeah, get rid of the middle. Yeah. Right, because Undecided. because people just check off the uh, because they don't want to think about it. Yeah, exactly. I'll just take the middle one. So let's make it positive or negative, even number of stars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, you start to get into the whole psychology aspect of customers and feedback. And if yeah, if you give people the out of the middle star, they'll take it. People will often take it. Yeah. So um, I did some work with a another retailer here in the city, a sports retailer. Mm-hmm. And they have one of those surveys at the bottom of the register tape. It yep. says, go to this URL, yeah. chance, $300 get certificate, yeah. yada, yada, yada. The, right. the highlighter they always use to right. highlight right, the, right, right, the right, URL. Right, right. Yeah. Nobody does that shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but okay. So I was talking with the customer service manager there and he said, you know, people actually do fill this out. And he says, I'll look at every one. It turns out that they average maybe one or two responses per store per month. Oh, which is ridiculous. <laughs> but he's but he said he said, when I go through them, I can tell when they've given up on being serious. <laughs> and they just want to rush through the end so that they can qualify to yeah. be entered in contest. Actually, I should know that if, if there's really that few, that means that I have a pretty good chance of winning one of these Absolutely. certificates. <laughs> I said the same I'm, thing. I'm starting to fill those out. No, I'm starting to fill them out, but you know what? I haven't won one yet, and I'm really questioning. <laughs> I'm going to automate it. I'm going to automate a system that fills it out multiple times, but yes. Right. <laughs> right. So, But what we have found is that is – that People, and this surprised me, that people are eager to leave extended reform yeah. text comments. That surprised me. Yeah. And what we're finding is that by giving them choices on these behavior buttons, best practice behavior buttons, they have a choice. They can just hit a couple of buttons and they're done. Yeah. So they can get in and out quickly. Yeah. And that is in such contrast with the, again, the web-based surveys that are, you know, the URL at the bottom of the register tape. They're 20, 30, 40 questions. It's like, 
what? Yeah. <laughs> no, you have to be able to get in quickly, easily, while it's still top of mind. And that seems to be working out for us. Do you see, yeah, because it seems like there's there's some kind of graph of, you know, where there's a the intersection of the amount of data I can collect and the number of people that yes. will actually yes. respond. Do you sense or do you, do you suspect that um, – that graph changes by the nature of the transaction. Like if I'm if I'm buying a pair of jeans, I might be willing to answer two or three questions versus if I just bought a sixty thousand dollar car, I might be able to I might take five minutes. Is there what's your thought on that or, or either in terms yeah, of what think, you've seen or what you suspect? I think it's gonna change. Change by retail type. Yeah. Yes. I hadn't really thought about the car situation, but but when you're buying a pair of jeans, yes, it's going to be a lot different than when you're buying, buying a diamond ring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the nature, it just seems like the data, the amount of data that you have, the actual richness of the interaction, you know, if it's it's a much more con- sort of consultative selling process, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be able well, to make a lot more comments. Well, certainly on our uh, initial past here, we are not working with mass merchant self-service types of retailers. Yeah, okay. We're really focused on on retailers where there's a level of associate support and helping you find the best thing. Mm-hmm. And whether that best thing is a pair of jeans or a microwave oven or a pair of shoes, mm-hmm. it's those are the things that are going to allow the retailer to be successful. Yeah. When well, and I like that. Having a great experience. I mean, the classes, I think this kind of the classes, you know, massages, things like that. Oh, yeah. Where it is, you know, you don't have a product, you don't have kind of this hard good that I can kind of base this thing around and, yep. and is kind of the, that's really what people are buying and the service is kind of icing yep. on the cake around it. But these things where the, the service is literally what is being delivered and what people are paying for. I mean, how do, like knowing exactly how that's going seems huge. I mean, if I sure. had, I mean, I just, I, I can imagine all the different kind of businesses that are these, you know, service type businesses that have no yep. sense, no sense what's actually happening in the class. Or yep. they may be able to, like, I can go in as an owner, I could survey a class. I could take a class with someone, but you know, look, my being there is going to skew the instructor and I can't get inside the other students' heads, right? Like, I don't know what they're thinking. I can just see what's happening in the class. Having a tool that actually got the insights to the the, the results of that experience, like what was the takeaway for folks and what did they feel uh, around it seems, uh, seems like gold, if I can really get into that. Yeah. I mean, this. so think about the refrigerator repairman. Think yeah. about yeah. the lawn service, yeah. the pool service, right? Think about the DMV. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I don't want to think about that. Actually, I must say, DMVs, I don't know if you've had to do anything in the last couple of years. I've been impressed. They have done a much better job. I remember going 10, 15 years ago, and yeah, it was that classic nightmare. But you know, a yeah. couple of times now I go, and they've got you know tickets and numbers, and I get in and out right. of there pretty quickly. So they're thinking about this stuff. But yeah, if they hey, could get better so, data. So I did go to the DMV somewhere in the last year, yeah. and that whole ticketing system went down. Oh. <laughs> Failure in the process. The whole number system went down. Chaos. And it was so funny because they 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 knew what to do. Huh? They knew what to do. Good so for, them. for each section, they had us sit in seats by our numbers. Wow. So so, <laughs> so you got a number, but they didn't have that. They couldn't call it. Yeah. Right. Oh right. yeah. Wow. So you, either anyway. it means someone who has very had a lot of foresight, or this happens more often than you care to. Not. <laughs> so thinking through, just you know, for for people listening to the, this episode and kind of they're in these kind of either service based businesses or or businesses that have this kind of real kind of customer service element to them. What are the what are the options do you think they're currently considering? I mean, you mentioned the the URL on the receipt. Like, what are yeah. the other things people are thinking about? And then you know, sort of position yourself relative to these sure. other ones. 
in terms sure. of people that should think so, about you. So, so let me talk about two two areas. One is the customer satisfaction survey, okay. which is which is the URL at the bottom of the the register tape, and you go out to a website, right? And they focus principally on the shopper's experience from a marketing perspective. Oh, okay. So did you find what you were looking for? Did you have enough time? So it's, it's all about the shopping experience, but it's from a marketing perspective. Yeah, yeah. And what we're doing is, is, sure, we're doing that marketing stuff, but it's much more operations oriented. Yeah. What did your people do? How can we do it better? Let me let's do feedback so that we provide the data and the results to store operations. Yeah. Not to the VP of marketing, but to the head of store operations and this store manager and the regional director, because they're all responsible for making it happen, right? Yep. They're responsible for the training, the making sure that they meet their numbers. So that's what we're focused on. This is so different from what the traditional customer satisfaction survey is about. Yeah. That's number one. Number two, on the other side of the, the platform is is the mystery shopping. Yeah, exactly. The mystery shopping programs, right? So a mystery shopping program, in case anybody doesn't know what it is, they, uh, they hire people to go into a store with a list of things to check out, right? Yep. And then they come back. And at some time in the future, two weeks, four weeks down the line, the retailer will get a report, a report mm -hmm. as to what the mystery shopper found. So we think that that, I mean, in some ways we are making everybody a mystery shopper yeah, and letting, letting the associates know that they are being rated by everybody who's a mystery shopper. Yeah. All right. So it's totally different. The mystery shopping thing is just not scalable. Yeah. People can really only afford to do, do it once a month for a store maybe, or hire people to come in for a promotion to see how it's being handled. Mm -hmm. it's, it's very event-based. Yeah. What we're doing is for it's like for the price of one mystery shopper in a store, mm -hmm. we're giving them the ability to collect a steady stream of customer feedback data for that store. Yeah. That the associates and the managers can then use to do a better job. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about which industries you're focused on right now, what what segments you're going after next. I mean, where where are you looking to kind of build traction around this and kind of application? Sure, sure. Initially, we are going after specialty retail, apparel, shoes, um, you know, everywhere where there's a sort of a consultative sale. Mm hmm uh, in the store. We're, we're not, as I said before, we're not going after the mass merchants. We're not going after the self-service retail, but those are the kind of folks we're dealing with. So the, the projects we've run this past summer have actually been in, in apparel, two men's operations. One is the one I mentioned to you before, and the other is actually a digitally, digital native men's apparel retailer. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Who is now moving into moving into brick and mortar stores? Yep. And so here's another another use case for the application is that they were looking to get customer feedback on new processes that they were trying out in their stores. Yeah. Being able to get data, I mean, it's coming out of the agile space. I mean, I'm all about collecting data and then responding to data by changing and pivoting your product and, and you know, yes. features and qualities and things like that. So, I mean, this seems yes. like a great tool where, I mean, I could literally get pretty much real time. Like I know within a couple of hours. No, it's know, real time. Yeah. It's real time. 
Yeah, no, but I, I could I could literally make changes. I could I could come in the next morning oh, yes. with a new yeah. plan, saying, "Okay, hey, look, based on yesterday's data, we're going to yep. try doing it this way. Let's start with these yep. questions. Let's do this. Like we want to, like I could see you know people that are really thinking about innovating in the you know the the customer experience space for retail. You know, literally being able to say day by day, all right, we're going to try different ways of doing this, getting feedback, seeing if it works. Even so, I think this. I mean, look, I think it's a great tool for you know. Just being able to evaluate performance on an individual sales associate level and stuff like that. But actually from an organization level, it gives me data on my systems, my policies, my processes, and I could actually, you know, do iterative design of my experience design from a retail point of view. It's it's a, a really powerful application of this. Yeah. Excellent. Stuart, we're going to hit time here. If people want to find out more about you, about Raider B, how do they get more information? Sure. Well, they can go to the site. It's RaiderB.com, R-A-T-E-R-B-E-E. Dot com, or you can send me an email at Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T, at RaiderB.com. Great. Now I'll make sure that email address and the link is on the show notes here so people can click through. Stuart, this is a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking some time to be on the show. Enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.